Hey, yo, Internet, this episode of the Combat Jack Show is brought to you by Rode, R-O-D-E microphones, 100% Australian-owned and made professional microphones for studio and broadcast. And also my Rode Reel, R-E-E-L, the world's largest short film competition, now in its fourth year running with over 500000 in prizes given away so far. My Rode Reel is back, bigger and better in 2017. More films, new judges, and more prizes. To view past winners and register for 2017, head to MyRoadReel.com and sign up now. That's M-Y-R-O-D-E-R-E-E-L.com and sign up right now. And now back to the show. You tuned into the Combat Jack Show, thecombatjackshow.com. What's up, A-King? First quarter. First quarter, man. It's been an interesting January, right? Trump era on fire, man. Trump era on fire, but you know, fuck that, man. We'll get into it. Yeah, you absolutely. Know, that's, 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 that shit could be so consuming, and sometimes it, it just pulls you in, and it's hard to Thank get you. out, man. I, you know, it's interesting. Internets, I really haven't spoken on the issue with regard to, um, you know, our teammate, our colleague, and our brother, uh, Tackstone. You know, there's a lot going on, and, and people are like, what's happening? And this and that. Please stop texting me. Please stop DMing me, DMing me about what's going on with this case. All I can tell you is that we miss him. I love him, and, and we support him. Free tax zone. That's it. Right? That's a fact. That's all I need to say, right? That's it. I'm really excited about today's guest, man. This, is man. The, this episode, we get smarter. <laughs> right? We're about to get smarter. That's right. Listen, internets, you know, maybe you've seen her for, for some of you guys out there that are more woke. Maybe you've seen her on CNN. Maybe you've heard her voice on, on NPR. But let's welcome to the Combat Jack Show, political analyst yes. and commentator for CNN and NPR and other Huff media Post. channels. Huff Post. Ms. Angela Rye. Hello, everyone. How I are actually you? am not a commentator for HuffPost. Okay. I've been on HuffPost Live, but that's been a minute. Is HuffPost Live still going? I'm not sure. I mean, sure. the last time I heard of him, if it was when we had uh, Mark Lamont on. Yeah, and Mark has been gone for some time. He's so he's a man of the stars now. I know so. he blew up, right? Yeah, yeah, but and much deserved. He's so smart and really good at what he does. So, yeah. So welcome High to the time. show. Thank you. I'm um, happy to be here. Did you ever think we would really be living through a real life episode of The Twilight Zone? So <laughs> absolutely not. Yes. I thought the American people were much smarter than mm. this. Um, did and it's you? been devastating. Yeah. Really? Yes, I did. Yes, I did. We elected Barack Obama twice. Um, and I think that he has been or he, he was such a gift to the presidency. Um, it made America look so good. Distinguished. Yeah. Clean. When You know, when uh, Michelle Obama had that moment during the 2008 campaign where she said, for the first time in my adult life, I'm proud of yes. my country. Yes. I know there was a visceral reaction from white folks, but black folks everywhere were like, I relate exactly to what she's talking about. I felt proud for eight years of them. And I didn't always agree, but I knew that there was a reasonable dialogue to be held with that president. Right. Um, with this one, it's like, oh, you just, well, Twitter beef. Somebody called him on my Twitter the other day. I was like, I'm taking that. They were like, he's a thumb thug. <laughs> I was like, I'm so taking that. It's epic, especially with the hand situation. It's right. really good. Tiny hands. Yes. Baby hands. <laughs> yes. So what'd you do during the inauguration? Honestly? Yes. I tried to sleep and keep the TV off 
um, earlier in the day. I didn't have TV until late at night, um, but I'm like addicted to Twitter. So I was on Twitter and watching the highlights and everything. Um, again, Michelle Obama to the rescue gave me life with all the face. Like, oh, she like was she's serving rye face black today. woman. Oh my God. I loved every minute of it because I don't even think it was intentional. So right. people all the time say to me, like, I'm known for serving face on CNN yes. and it's not like model face. It's like absolutely crazy Jim Carrey face. Right. She was doing that. And I was so happy. Yeah. I loved it, man. Do you think it was actual real face though? Like it was real face. It was real. I don't think that she was like, Oh, let me give something to the camera. I think these were her emotions right. displayed on her face. It's amazing. It was awesome. Now I've watched, um, your debates or your, your, your interviews or your, um, dialogues with, you know, some of the other mm-hmm. commentators and you do this thing. When somebody says something, your eyes light up, and you look or they like get, you, like bug out. You look like a like like <laughs> like like a like a panther about to attack. Is there a switch that goes off? You know, um, probably subconsciously. Right. Um, my friends would probably tell you that like I'm always ready for the turn up. Well, probably way too soon. Like it's it's a preemptive turn up. It comes way sooner than it probably should for normal people. Um, but I think this election has kind of. It, it's made the turn up really real and really quick, like even more so. So it's like zero to a hundred. It's like zero to a thousand right. now real quick. And for me, it's just like, you're just not going to talk to me like I'm stupid. You're right. not going to play me. You're not going to gaslight me. Like I know exactly what this is, you know, and I'm going to tell you what it is. Um, and thankfully, so many of our folks, and, and I'll, I should also broaden that, there have been old white women there have been Canadian white men. There have been folks all over the world who've reached out like you have spoken for me, which surprised me because I just thought I spoke for us and right. not even all of us because right. we're not monolithic, but some of us. So it's been surprising to see how many people can relate to what I've said. And I'm just grateful because it's really what I believe. Like I can sleep at night because I know I'm being my true, authentic self. Unfiltered. Yep. It was raw and unfiltered. That's definitely it. Now, are you as intense in real life? Yes. Really? My friends will tell you, like, what you see on TV, that is, that's my friend. Always ready for the turn up. Yep. And I and I do think that, you know, the Lord needs to c- keep working with me on yes. that. But yes. You know, well, maybe you're doing the Lord's work <laughs> in, in some mysterious way. Right. Now, what the fuck, man? I wish I knew growing up. Speaking of the Lord. That I had an <laughs> option, a career option to be a crowd scientist. Right. You know, like, I never knew there yes. were crowd scientists out there. Me neither. <laughs> <laughs> there was an article that came out that were like, well, crowd scientists said, and I was like, for real? That's epic. But, you know, Republicans don't believe in science, so. Mm. What, what, can you can you give us a breakdown of what's going on with the Republicans? Because I don't understand how a party can have, can have, can lack so much compassion, mm-hmm. can have no, like, no common sense when it comes to actual facts. Yeah. You know, science. Like, it's, and, and can be also, and I'm not speaking for all Republicans. Sure, sure. But just in terms of how they move, how a party, how such a huge group of people can move so evil. Yeah. I uh, What I have to tell you is I think Harry Reid, his, uh, his departing speech, had it right when he talked about uh, Donald Trump was the Frankenstein created by the Republican yes. Party. Yes. And what that means is that, you know, this thing didn't just come up and blossom overnight. This thing was years in the making. Um, and the, and it began far before they began questioning the citizenship of Barack Obama. Right. It started happening to your point when, you know, you can cut SNAP benefits and you could eliminate children's health care or cut it back, cut it back. When you can say to the president, well, we don't want to adopt your budget, but we want to do this thing called sequester. When you cut 
federal programming across the board or budgets for federal programming across the board, that's going to have real impact on people. And so it's no surprise that one of the first executive orders that Donald Trump signed was to uh, have a a federal hiring freeze except for a military exemption. For us, we know that the rise of the black middle class came from government jobs. Right. Right. And sometimes they're not federal. Sometimes they were on the state and local level, but government jobs. And that's one of the first things that he did. So there's it's there's a reason why for years members of the Congressional Black Caucus and other folks engaged in the political process have talked about when white America has a cold or when America has a cold, black folks have pneumonia. They catch Mm -hmm. pneumonia. Mm -hmm. It's because all of those things hit us much harder. We are in a much more fragile state. Um, and I think the the reality of this is the wake up call for us. You know, you think about that school days moment at the end when they're yelling, wake up. It's like now it's time for us to figure out our own stuff because we cannot expect for any of these folks to have, have our election, backs. Right. We don't. We don't. And now the time is for action. Yeah. That means holding them accountable. That, But that also means holding us accountable and doing what we need to do to ensure that they are working for us. They are elected by us and they're paid by us. Paid by they us. owe us quite right. literally. Right. Yeah. You know, it's funny, when, when, when we last had uh, Mark Lamont Hill on the show mm-hmm. uh, a few months ago, this was before the, the elections, you know, I, I, I shared with him that I was supporting Hillary, mm-hmm. but I also told him, like, there was this small part of me that would love to see Trump in office. Mm-hmm. Because I, I, I told him because I felt that if Hillary were in office, she'd do an excellent job, but it still would be business as usual, mm-hmm. and a lot of us would remain complacent. Mm-hmm. This motherfucker comes in and it seems like everybody's woke right now. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like like forcing us to be woke to really address some of the real issues that have been swept under the rug mm-hmm. for many years. What do you think about that? I understand the point. Right. I just think that it shouldn't take crisis, crisis for us to be woke. Right. right? Like I kind of resent us for that. Right. I resent the fact that it took Trayvon and Eric Garner right. and Philando Castile and all of these people for us to be woke. And what does it really mean to be woke if you're not acting? Right. Like, who cares if you didn't sleep? Or who cares if, if you're just awake, but you're not moving? Like, what are you doing to constructively build us up? What are you doing to ensure that our interests and needs are met? What are you doing to, you know, using your entrepreneurial mind and your innovation that we know we have? Like, we talk about black girl magic and black boy magic and all this. What are you doing creatively to ensure that we're never at the brunt of this, you know, anymore? Um, and so I hear your point and I know that Mark has made similar points. Like we needed to hit rock bottom is kind of his thing. And I told him then, I'm so mad you said that. (laughs) Um, I understand it, but I resent it because we shouldn't have to be at rock. We came into this country at rock bottom. Right. You know, it's just time out for that. We don't need to be on the bottom anymore. But because of some of the the names that you mentioned, particularly Mm -hmm. with regard to police brutality, you know, and and me having sons Mm -hmm. and just really just at a certain point saying, I'm tired of this shit. At a certain point, it's like, you know what? Maybe at this juncture, Trump is the president that America deserves. Hmm. You know what I mean? Because motherfuckers put him there. Well, yeah, somebody did. And, uh, you know, the reality of it is to me, I don't think we deserve that. Right. Like we have we have endured far too much pain and suffering. You know, today there's a bill that was introduced uh, by or I don't actually I don't know when it was introduced, but I just learned of it today. Um. A, rep- a representative, Mike uh, Lee from Utah, where the bill essentially dials back everything that we gained in the Fair Housing Act of 1968. Yes. You know, 
We don't deserve that, don't actually. Deserve, right. And I think that we need to stop punishing ourselves. We don't deserve that. Right. Maybe they deserve Maybe they that des- uh, right. because that's what they wanted, but we don't deserve that. And so we're going to act like we don't deserve that. You know what I mean? Because we get to a point, you're talking about uh, complacency. Right. We get complacent like, well, and you I appreciate know, if we that perspective. Just, you know? I, I do appreciate that perspective because mm-hmm. there's a part of me just like, I'm just done. Like, I get like it. I'm done. Like, you know, my 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 18 year old son asked me a year ago, mm-hmm. "Are you proud to be an American?" I was like, "I don't know if I can say that." Yeah, yeah, I understand that you too. Know? Especially when you think about like what Colin Kaepernick did just this past year with kneeling. It's just just a simple kneel. And I will tell you all, I felt ignorant because I hadn't read through the third verse of the national anthem right. and didn't realize that the national anthem was essentially written on our backs right like yes. you're take you're talking about taking out slaves and hirelings right like i didn't even know that and so for me i'm like if this were some jewish folks and mm. there was a, a derogatory jewish jewish reference in the national anthem shut it, down. it would be done down. it would be done be and a, i'm like topic so for us i'm just like where is our collective power like that and right now we need to hunker down and build it the national anthem should not be the national anthem the Electoral College, because, again, that, too, was built on the backs of slaves. You thought three-fifths, of, we're three-fifths of a human being. You let the slave master be counted. You wanted to protect slaveholding states. Electoral College needs to go or it needs to change. It needs to be representational, which would be more fair, and that's what a democracy is. One person, one vote. And black people count. You know what I mean? It's time for us to dismantle all of these systems that exist on, on our backs and that were built on our oppression. Period. Do you think it's possible that we can eradicate the Electoral College? I think we need to try. Right. I believe in our efforts. I know that we are absolutely unstoppable when we put our minds to something. I know that. I know that about our folks. We've made it through everything. And that's what's so interesting about this election, too. People are like, oh, it's him. We we made it through slavery. And my comeback is always, we wasn't here for that. <laughs> like, and I'm not trying to go back, you right, know. Right, right. But like, yeah, but we can get through anything. How are you so optimistic? Because I consider myself a very optimistic person. But with regard to this government, I'm so pessimistic. Yeah. and I'm I, so pessimistic. I wish I could tell you that I am optimistic in the government or optimistic in what, like, Trump was going to do or the Republicans weren't going to be that bad. I am terrified about what they're going to right. do. I am confident in us. And so if we can use this time to say, okay, we've always been able to not just withstand in a crisis, but rise to the occasion in a crisis, I'm confident in that. Right. That's it. Right. Like, it stops there. <laughs> it stops there. And maybe we can coalesce around some other things. I also tell you my paradigm shifted a little bit after watching um, what happened with the Women's March. I had a speaking engagement in Texas, so I didn't go. Right. And I hate I wasn't there because right. I had my sisters, Janae and Tamika and Carmen, yes. And Linda were all a part of it, and they did an amazing job. And it wasn't just in D.C. It was in New York and Philly and all over the world. Every continent. Yes. Every continent. Yes. So what was the shift? Yes. What was the, what, no, I'm asking for me, you. For me, yeah, it was because it was like, okay, we can stand united on some things that bridge a gap between black people and Latino people and poor people and white people. And even some black women had to bring their signs to say, now be clear, white women did this. We We showed up. Y'all didn't show up. And I think it's okay if we're able to just, you know, remain in our truth. And um, I think it was amazing. I think it says a lot about our ability to move forward. And if we can, black folks can stand united and we can 
work with brown folks on some things and Native American folks in Indian country on some things and Asian Americans. Asian, Asian Americans. Americans are woke now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and, and again, there have been and some Asian no sh- Americans no who sh- have been woke. Of co- and this is no shots, mm-hmm. but, you know, throughout my entire life, I've never heard Japanese Americans stand up and be like, yo, this is not cool. This whole, this whole intern, and this whole internment thing. I'm gonna have you go spend some time with my dad in Seattle. Eddie Rod Jr. raised me around a Rainbow Coalition, and my mother Andrea around a Rainbow Coalition. I didn't understand how um, how divisive or how boxed in people were to their issues until I moved to D.C. It was like black people work on black people stuff, brown people work on brown. So I'm like, nah, I was raised around a rainbow coalition of folks. There was a, a white woman named Marjorie Prince who was uh, right with my dad, standing in solidarity with him on South African apartheid issues. I had no concept for this. I'm like, y'all don't work together on stuff? We're stronger together. Yes, of course. And that's why the that's folks they, work so hard on dividing us. That's, what that's they exactly fear. right. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. You know, Angela, what do you say? You know, I've been very vocal against this administration ever since Election Day. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've had colleagues reach out to me, and they're like, "Yo, Reggie, man, why, why, why won't we give him a chance?" I'm talking about black people. Like, why won't we? Why won't you give him a chance? I'm like, give him a chance for what? Like for what? Like the writing's on the wall. What do you say to people that are still out here saying, you know, he he just started? I'm gonna say it this way because um, I think this is something we can all relate to. We either have a crackhead in our family, or one, you know, once removed, right? Like we just yes, do. Yes. We have somebody who is all the way out, and and what happens is. That person comes and they ask you for money or, you know, they tell you, like, just help me this one more time. Help me get on my feet, you know, and you help them because you love them and you keep doing it and you keep doing it and you keep doing it. And you realize that sometimes that at some point that you handing them money isn't going to help them out of that thing. Donald Trump has showed you exactly who he was For for decades, for decades. It didn't start with the birther issue. This dude was. Getting sued by the Department of Justice before the Central Park Five. Then we have the Central Park Five also before the Central Park Five. He said that he didn't want this black man who was an accountant on his team Mm -hmm. handling his money. He preferred people with yarmulkes. Mm -hmm. He said that the dude can't help it because he was born with a lazy gene. Why? Because he's black. Like, let's be very clear about who this guy is. He's not. This isn't new. So I think that it's just like the crackhead in your family. You know who he is. You've seen what he's been able to do when he's been given a chance before. This time he needs to put up an agenda that helps black people. And until he puts up his own agenda that helps people of color, that helps the disenfranchised, that helps low-income people, we don't have it to do. He needs to give us a chance. This isn't about us doing anything for him. He works for us. And they weren't talking about that chance stuff. When Obama was in office, they no, were not no. giving no. that brother a chance. Mitch McConnell said, "I want I'm going to do everything I can to make him a one-term one president." Yes. So no, there was there were no chances and then even when he put forth options, the American Jobs Act, time and time again a, a community college proposal which by the way I didn't support because it would have hurt HBCUs, but all of these other initiatives, they didn't want to give that a chance. None of it. They wouldn't even consider the legislation, you know? So it's like, "Come on, I have to give him a chance." Off a you know a hope and a dream that I can't even see because he's not put forth an agenda that represents us. Right. You know, recently you've you've used this word on CNN, which which really struck a chord. You said mm-hmm. that, uh, you know, you mentioned people who are on the resistance side, mm-hmm. and when you use that word, it just just brings me back to Star Wars mm-hmm. and fighting the evil em- mm-hmm. empire. Is that what this is right now? Are, are we the resistance? I think that um, there has to be 
a collaboration between resistance and engagement, mm -hmm. right? And I think that there are people among us who are trained resistors. Um, shout out to Campaign Zero who put out a, a resistance manual, like in the era of Trump, how to survive and resist. Um, and so I think there's we are definitely at the resistance phase, which is why a meeting with Steve Harvey or a meeting with Martin Luther King III on his daddy's holiday would be frustrating because we're not at, an, at the engagement point yet. There will be a point to engage. But again, I believe that Donald Trump owes it to us to put forth an agenda that we can bless, sign off on or, you know, collaborate with him on. That's not where we are. That's just not where we are. We are at a point right now where we're saying he does not represent us. He's not my president. He has no intention. He has no of intention of it. And right. and until he demonstrates otherwise, we're at the resistance phase. The engagement phase comes where you say, okay, you've put forth this agenda. I don't like everything about it, but let me tell you what can make it better. And that's what they should have done with Barack Obama. The great thing I think about, like the Congressional Black Caucus, which is known to be the conscience of the Congress, is they'll work with anyone that is going to lift our folks up. Right. But right now he's not shown an ability or an intent to do that. Right. So if this is Star Wars, who's really Darth Vader? Because I will mm. not give Trump that honor because he's such a clown. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, I think I think he is, though. Really? Yeah. Or maybe maybe I, I, look, I look at him like Jar Jar Binks, the evil <laughs> Jar Jar Binks. He's a clown. I get what you're saying. Isn't but, he a clown? Like, But he's he's not. He can't be as dumb as we thought he was. Right. He got there. Right. You know what I'm saying? Um, I think that if there if there was a different Darth Vader. Uh, maybe it would be Kellyanne Conway, um, his campaign manager. I don't believe that Donald Trump would be in the White House if it wasn't for Kellyanne. Right. She came into that campaign and totally changed the game. Right. Um, and she's a translator in a way that, you know, a lot of times we laugh at her, but it works for their base. The yes. alternative facts thing. Yes. That's working for their base. We know that th that means it's a damn lie, you know, but they think it's just like, oh, no, it's just his perspective. And and it's 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 mind boggling, mm -hmm. boggling, but also amazing the alchemy she does mm -hmm. with words mm -hmm. and facts. It's like it's the term I've heard years ago. She's crazy making. Like you can't engage <laughs> with her. But it's also am brilliant. I right? I mean, it's, but it's brilliant. Right. Like even if we don't like it, we have to call it. It's actually brilliant. Right. Like it's it. She came in and she totally reversed the course on the narrative and totally changed it. And I was like, oh my gosh, she's like doing some Je Star Wars Jedi mind tricks type stuff. You know, like she's she's really like doing this and right. it's really happening and it's really working on somebody, you know? You know, it's it's interesting his war right now with the media and this is the first time across the board that I'm reading all these media outlets and they all seem to be in, in, in a, a line in terms of like how this guy mm -hmm. is not good for the American people. Mm -hmm. um, do you think they will remain a part of the resistance as well? Or do you think they'll eventually start kowtowing? Um, I think that they have an obligation to resist right now. Right. There was a piece done talking about how media should just be neutral in reporting. But I think the challenge is he's picked a battle with the people with the pens. Yes. And that means they have to demonstrate, like, no, there's there's actually not an ability to just be neutral and unbiased because he's attacking us. There's a war on the media right now um, and undermining their credibility, which at some point hurts the income, which right. at some point costs jobs. So I think the one thing that they are missing right now is tying this into, you know, if your narrative was make America great again and creating more jobs, you're actually going to eliminate jobs if you undermine our credibility because people will stop reading our papers. People will stop advertising. Right. That's going to create a big, it's going to, it's going to cause a hit on the economy. You know, like you're hurting American jobs. The very thing you said you wanted to save. Right. So I think it would be good to call him on that.
They haven't made that turn yet either, right. though. What's you got to explain to us? Mm-hmm. I'm not that smart. I'm not either. What's up with, <laughs> with the Russian implication? Like, what the hell does this mean? Oh, man. Like, because like, it gets worse. Like, when you think it's as bad mm-hmm. as, like, the worst Peter Sellers movie, mm-hmm. it gets worse. Yeah. Um, like, what does this whole thing mean about, like, the potential of them rigging these yeah. past ele- elections? I think that we don't even know yet. What that um, means. And, and what I mean by that is I know that um, CBC members, for example, have been in classified briefings. Of course, they're not allowed to share any of the material, but what has been clearly stated to me is y'all don't even know the half yet. We don't know the half. We don't even know the half yet. And I think the challenge is, um, you know, we could literally make a chart, I mean, like a, a web in your mind. Like there are so many people connected to his campaign with Russian ties and interests, so many people on the campaign who are going to make visits, right, and negotiating with them. We, of course, later found out that it might have something to do with this whole golden shower piece, mm-hmm. which they're saying is not true. Um, but you never know. All I would say is I've never known CNN to put anything on air that wasn't, like, airtight. Right. And that was on air. Right. They didn't point, they didn't, out in their to their defense, though, they didn't put out the golden shower piece. Right. Um, that was a dossier that, Buzz, uh, BuzzFeed or Buzzfeed. Daily Beast? Okay, BuzzFeed published. Um, CNN did not. So all I'm saying is that is really interesting to me. That is challenging. It's also very scary. I think there's something more to the DNC piece and those hacks. Um, I think that it was probably a, some type of strategic negotiation on the with the RNC and the Russians because I don't care what software they built. There's always ways around that yes, stuff. Yes. Um, and I will tell you, it's it's interesting too because. I don't know about you all, but I was raised in a house where, like, no matter what I said, my dad be like, be careful. You know, they tapping the phone, mm-hmm. you know. So now, like, we're on heightened alert about, like, OK, they're in inboxes. And I got, like, a random Yahoo email the other day, like, you need to reset your password. And I was like, psych, I don't have a right. Yahoo account. <laughs> like, you're not about to John Podesta me. Like, <laughs> no, ma'am, no, sir. You right. know, so I just think that we haven't seen it yet. Right. And um, he is in a real dangerous spot because he is almost beholden to them now if they had half the implications that they that we suspect they had on the outcome of this election that's a really scary thing i don't i can't think of a time where we were concerned about the president being compromised right by a foreign government um and that i think is a real legitimate fear you know you know in the history of presidents is this guy coming like the worst the absolute worst in my mind? Yes. Yes. Worse than Nixon, right? I mean, it, it feels like it because I wasn't alive for Nixon. Right. Um, I've heard about it. I Like, you read about Watergate. Watergate and, right. But it's just like, I don't know. This feels really terrible. It Like, it feels mortifying. Not just as, like, a black woman mm. trying to make it in this country and what it may mean for stereotypes and the way policing goes down and all that. Not just for black men, but for black women, too. But it also just feels scary, like, if he sets off and says something crazy about Kim Jong-il on, on Twitter. On Twitter. Oh, my God. Like, I live too close to the Pentagon for him to be playing these mm-hmm. games. Like, they're going to blow the joint up. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just, it's really scary. Because he has no parameters. He no. just doesn't think about those things, about outcomes. Like, the fact that now his words really matter, even when they're lies. Do you think he'll get impeached? I hope so. Right. I hope so. I feel like there's enough material now to impeach him. Right. The challenge is Republicans can implement the agenda that they want to with him there, um, almost puppeteering him so it's not in their best interest. Um, When I think about people like Lindsey Graham and John McCain, who 
I don't align with at all policy wise, but just believe that somewhere deep down there's a moral compass. Yes. It's not in alignment with mine necessarily, right. but I think that they're they, like something is wrong. Yeah. Here. And they continue to kind of say that John McCain is known to be a maverick for a reason. Right. And so you just kind of hope that there's some of that there. Um, I worry about people like Jason Chaffetz, who is the government reform chair on the House side and sits. Uh, Co- Congressman Elijah Cummings is his the ranking member, so kind of his peer in the on the minority side. And I think the reality of that is Jason Chaffetz is too bought in to Trump. He is from Utah, though. Utah was, a, you know, a state where they feared wasn't going to go for Trump. It did, in the, you know, at the end. But you just kind of hope that maybe his constituents will start saying, you're not doing enough or maybe there'll be enough pressure in the media where he sees he has to do some more in terms of investigations. What are your thoughts on um, the people, the American people that got Trump here, like the voters, the supporters? What do you think about them? I don't know. Are they a bad people? Are I don't they... think all of them are, are bad people. Right. Um, the one thing that has given me hope is that Black Jeopardy segment with Tom Hanks. Yes. Where he acted as the Trump voter. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and I, I use it so much. Like, I used it in a, um, a presentation for a client because I think that we have to figure out ways to build the bridges, right? Like, if we don't build a bridge to where we are common and where we are similar— um, we are going to continue to be divided, and that is what the rich and powerful want. Um, if we can draw commonalities and find key points of of interest, then I think that we're much better. We really are stronger together. Um, so I don't want to believe that these folks are bad. I want right. to believe they were misinformed. Right. Um, I do believe there were a basket of deplorables, and I do believe that basket was a hell of a lot bigger mm-hmm. than what Hillary said. Mm-hmm. Um, I said that repeatedly. I'm like, unapologetically, there are deplorables. They're in my Twitter mentions mm-hmm. every day. I get them, too. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, no, there are some folks who really were bought in. No, he really was supported by the KKK. No, he really didn't denounce David Duke and the KKK right. Right, right. for a minute right. on purpose. Right. So, like, yeah, I believe that there are, are deplorables, too. But there are probably some well-intentioned Trump folks. Yeah. yeah. What about black Trump supporters? I can't fool with that, man. Yeah. Mm-mm. There's, I, like, I have nothing. Two of my uncles, mm-hmm. Christmas Day, mm-hmm. Christmas dinner, share with me that they voted for Trump. But I understand. Do they live here? They live in Brooklyn. And but 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 the reasoning, I'm 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 Haitian. I'm first generation uh-huh. Haitian American. Uh-huh. And morally, they could not vote for Hillary because of oh, some of the practices. Yeah. That the Clintons have in Haiti, so I understood I understand that. that too. But I'm like, for the greater good, like him, mm-hmm. you know. Wow. So I have compassion, like I because yeah. Hillary was not, and I voted for Hillary, but mm-hmm. she was not the easiest candidate no, that's from, real. for all of us to get behind. That's real. But I think if people would have known what the real difference was going to be, people would have been like just held their nose and voted for Hillary. Right. Like I think that the lesser of, if you want to put it there, the lesser of two evils. And I don't even think that it's it's like no, it's like actually one like with good intentions, right. well meaning, and will put good people in a room to get her to the right place versus like absolutely damn Armageddon evil. Right. Like this totally different. And like that dichotomy's incompet- always been right. wrong. And incompetent. Incompetent. Like when I look at Trump. No, like, and dangerous. Dangerous, yes. Like all of that. And I think the real issue is there are some legitimate questions surrounding the Clinton Foundation in Haiti. Yes. But I think that there are questions that could be answered. Like right. maybe everything wasn't done well, but I don't think it was an intent to abuse, right? Like there are some some things that there's some challenges with the American Recovery I'm sorry, the American Reinvestment and Recovery Act, which was the first thing that Barack Obama signed into law. 
right when we were on the brink of economic disaster. Right. The initial thought from that was that the money would trickle down into communities. Money never trickles down. There's a bottleneck. It gets stuck right before it reaches right. poor people, right before it reaches. They're not letting that money fall. No. And so that was well intended. It wasn't malicious, but it just was not well informed. And it was just like, you know, desperate times call for desperate measures, and you use folks that maybe not aren't the best folks. All that stuff happens everywhere. And so the reality of it is you just have to go back and say, well, what could be done differently? What can we do to make things better? Yeah. Um, and then, of course, he ended up with the Republican Congress who weren't interested in, in helping him have any wins, even if it meant the American people would right, win. Right, 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 yeah. right. Um, what was I going to say? You know, I've, I've always shied away from politics. Like, I've mm-hmm. never been interested in politics. But now I have no choice but to be engaged. Why do you and, feel like especially in our community people feel like that's an option um only because it, it, it wasn't interesting it didn't seem interesting even though it dealt with it affected us mm-hmm. it always just seemed like okay so we had the locks on of all people we had the locks on a couple of weeks ago mm-hmm. and styles p brought up an amazing point he was like does our vote count mm-hmm. and and with regard to these recent elections yeah. i couldn't honestly say yes mm-hmm. You you know what I mean? I know what you mean. Like, does our vote? Did our vote count in these past? Did our vote count? And and the answer is yes. The problem is we have a system for the presidential election that compromises how much it counts. We are not going to change it if we sit on the sidelines. Right. I think that my only point is here, and I, the reason why I ask this is because black people, to our detriment overwhelmingly treat politics like like it's optional right black folks to our detriment and overwhelmingly treat politics like it's that one day in tuesday every four years politics is a 24 7 365 game they are passing legislation every day that has a direct impact on your ability to survive thrive and build in this country it's not an option if you go around white folks or Jewish folks, or tr- politics is intrinsically a part in. of their They're business. Right. They see their business interests. There are literally laws being passed that you could say, oh, I could do this and then make money this way. We don't even follow the bills like that. Bills are signed into law by the president, right? There are regulations, there are executive orders that impact your everyday life. And so I'm not saying that I expect people to follow it like I do because it's my work. Right. But I expect you to at least stay informed and engaged. You can make a call to your senator or your member of Congress. You know, you can go to a town hall in your member in your district where your members serve. These people work for you. They're accountable to you. At least know what they're doing. You know, at least tell them what you want them to do. They work for you. You know, and I think that we come at politics like passively, we're not in right. yes, real passively. passively, like we're not in power. We're the ones in power. We have to reclaim our power. The only reason why they're running things is because they show up and they're informed. That's all we have to do. Right. There's this um, Twitter um, site that I've been recently amused at. It's called Trump Regrets. Mm. And it's all of these Trump supporters that are now having or expressing. Oh, I need to see this. It's, it's called Trump Regrets. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, it, 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 it they screenshot, for example, mm. some, 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 some tweeters comments from like six months ago where he's attacking Mm -hmm. you know a a hillary supporter and then two days later he's like how do you try to eradicate you know the affordable care act because i you know i survive and it's it's do you have would 
Because it's funny, I have some type of compassion for them, but the other side is like, well, you get what you deserve. You, you get what you deserve. No, I feel bad for them because they were ignorant, right? You know, and like you, there was a poll that was done, um, I think it was two years ago, on um, whether people um, liked Obamacare or the Affordable yes. Care Act, not They're knowing always they were the doing, same thing. Always, right, right. You Jimmy know, Kimmel's always doing that. But, and, and it's like the fact that folks don't know that is like treacherous. But then it's just like, okay, well, we still have to inform. We're not educating properly. You know, y'all got to probably turn off Fox News because, you know, it's not checking for you. Like mm-hmm. they're just giving, they're feeding you information to make you angry. Same thing Donald Trump was doing at his rallies. He's giving them information to make them angry. Finding a boogeyman. Oh, Jesus. Sorry about that. Uh, finding no, not- a boogeyman. And um, the reality of it is, we're not the boogeyman. We're not the enemy. Corporate greed is the enemy. Same thing with, you know, Wall Street and what happened with um, the bailout. Main Street needed a bailout, too. So how'd you get so involved in politics? I was raised around it. Really? I was raised around it. Um, my dad, from the standpoint of uh, being a community activist uh, in Seattle, and I always saw him as being on the opposite end of... Um, the political process. So it looked like it was always like him, activism versus politics. And when I was in law school, I had an internship with Congresswoman Maxine Waters, mm-hmm. who's now a meme favorite. And I'm yes. like, y'all don't understand. Maxine has been here. She, like, she, she didn't been, just show up. No, she's been marching in Manolo's a long time. Like, mm. where y'all been? But she showed me the blend of activism and politics. So, um, I went to work for Maxine Waters uh, in law school, and there I really saw the blend of political activism and political engagement. She was elected; me- she is an elected member of Congress, um, but she is an activist through and through. And so I got the opportunity to work on some issues. Like uh, the biggest one at the time was um, King Drew Hospital in her district was closing their trauma center which meant anyone with gunshot wounds or any real trauma would have to be airlifted um, and it would compromise their ability to survive. So we were working on this um, issue and it was just such a passion project. And I saw that activism can impact the ways in which uh, laws are implemented or, you know, if we could change L.A. County Board of Supervisors, final the final vote on this, that's what we needed to do. And so I really learned that through her and, um, after graduating law school, I went to the Hill and haven't looked back. Um, it was the best decision because it wasn't about changing something, um, having a micro level impact for one client at a time. It was about being a part of a process that has macro level impact on our everyday lives. And that is why it's so hard to understand why I get that some to some of us are working paycheck to paycheck and just trying to do what we can to survive and right. make sure kids are good and make sure our parents are okay and make sure that we can just make it but like this is a part of us making it so it's like you hate to like just add that one more thing um to to make it harder for us like to take up more time but you're like you you can't afford not to be engaged right 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 right. And, and and you bring up a great point about how you know where do we get the um luxury to not care about politics because mm-hmm. when i think about it and i've been saying this a lot recently white white racist supremacy is 24 hours a day Seven days, seven days a week, 365. It never gives up. And we can't afford to give up either. Mm-hmm. Like, we have to cons- consistently attack it. Yeah. You know, do you think we're starting to see signs of the dismantling of white supremacy? We just elected white supremacy. Right. 
No, or they did. I right. keep, I keep right. saying yeah, we, they and then did. I fix it. Like, he's not, he's not your president. He is not <laughs> my president. I don't know whose president he is. He's he is not, not my, my I president. Will, I will not. I will not accept that man. He's the president of the divided states of America. Yeah. King, is that like, your president? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Yeah, no. And they get mad because I'll say it on um, CNN, and people to me like, "You're being divisive." No, I'm sorry. You're being actually, unpatriotic. Actually, he was divisive. Yes. He is divisive. He's, he demonstrated even in his inauguration speech, yes. he's not representing our interests. Yes. He. Um. Some of the members of the CBC were frustrated because they thought that he had a veil hit on John Lewis, mm. and even in the speech, because the initial reference to him and his tweets was. Oh, he's all talk, no action. Mm-hmm. That's the last person you want to say that about. Person, right. He used the same line. He didn't say Mr. Lewis, but he used the same line in his inauguration speech. Right. It's not the signs of a uniter. He's definitely the. He signals that he's a divider. I, yeah, the, the dog whistles, the whole thing oh about law, law and order. Like this. Oh is, yeah. Uh, that that's not that's not pleasant. No, it's not. Not only is it not pleasant, but again, like we can't get away from the fact that it's dangerous. We right. cannot normalize this. Right. And I think the best way to ensure that we don't is to show up and act in ways that we haven't before. And by acting, I'm not talking about acting out, showing out, rioting. I'm talking about us being strategic in ways that we haven't. Yes, it's good that we march, but what are we doing after the march? And what are we doing two days after the march? You know, where is our our black political action committee? Where is our agenda? Where are where are we showing up to ensure that they feel like they don't have a choice but to do it where our demands are? We don't need to ask anymore. We need to make demands, Right. Like we have just as we have just as many rights to make those demands in this country that, as anybody else. Right. I say all the time, we built this joint for free. We built it for free. Period. And so now it's time for you to pay up. Right. And now it's time for you to serve the people who have been far more patriotic than you could have ever imagined. Exactly. Because we've been here and we built it. Yeah. And we're not going anywhere. We're not going back to Africa. I've never that, been to Africa. Mean? Was it even me? I've never been to Africa. Africa. And I don't I don't have any problem <laughs> with going to Africa, right. but that's not my home. Right. This is my home. So you're gonna figure out how to maintain with me being rare. Exactly. Do yeah. you think do you think that's ever gonna be a possibility with regard to reparations, us seeing reparations? I believe wholeheartedly in reparations. I talked about that on air as well. And I think that we have to build out um, a reparations agenda that isn't just built on slavery. It should have everything to do with descendants of United States yes. slaves yep. is what my dad has as, as used as his, his name for it. But it has to be a multifaceted program that deals with gentrification and mm-hmm. restrictive housing covenants mm-hmm. that, have, that has existed since before the 60s and the outcome of said restrictive housing covenants, we're still facing the impacts of with within public housing, mm-hmm. with the, with uh, gentrification that's happening nowadays. I think we need to deal with it from what happened with Jim Crow and the impacts of that and the fact that we're still paying for that in our schools and the inequality that exists there and access challenges that exist there. We need to deal with it from the standpoint of, um, I just lost my thought, of, of government contracting in the many ways in which they've iced us or boxed us out of that. You know, there's no real set-aside program for, again, descendants of United States slaves there in higher education. And I know they don't like affirmative action, but Georgetown implemented a program. Yes, last year. Yeah. and it that's, was, my, that's my alma mater. Okay. Went to Georgetown Law. So they, they only uh, covered uh, students who were descendants of slaves who yes. worked actually at right. Georgetown. There needs wow. to be a set-aside for and a designation for slaves, period. So many companies in this country that so still many. exist today right. benefited from slave labor. They owe us something. The government owes us something. And we need to be we need to be unafraid of asking for it. Period. What do you say to black people that um, you know, I'm I'm out here publicly attacking the the uh Trump administration mm-hmm. and I get these tweets, yo, but 
Obama wasn't, you know, he didn't look out for black people. You know, he was just as shady as the rest of the mm-hmm. American. What do, you, what do you say to those people? I say that Barack Obama was far from perfect, but we this dude has been in office for three days or whatever it is. And he turned everything around. I'm telling you. And so three days the we're talking about a president who wrestled with his blackness in office. And by that, I'm saying, yes, this was a black man or is a black man who's married to a black woman with black children a black mother-in-law, and a black daddy. And very aware of that. Very aware. And But my point is he had to wrestle with that in ways unimaginable to us. Meaning, if he came out, like, with the Afro and I'm black and I'm proud, first term, or even second term, he wouldn't have got anything done. Right. If he, I wonder now, if hindsight tells him, you know what, they stifled my agenda anyway. Right. Would he do something different? Perhaps. But I have to tell you, there were a number of things he tried to do to be inclusive. And I didn't always agree with them. I worked for the Congressional Black Caucus. We were at odds with him a lot. But I feel like he had to try to seem like a uniter. He had to try to build bridges wherever he could because they wouldn't have let anything pass. Anything that was designated specifically for us, that would have been it. Yeah. And I'm not saying that that still doesn't, that that means that... um, it wasn't the right thing to do. I just am saying I can't imagine what that pressure is of trying to figure it out. Um, that tightrope, that it is a real tightrope. Yeah, yeah, that box that you 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 want to be as effective as possible, but you know to effectuate, I guess, better legislation yeah. for the American people. Yeah, I might just have to fall back on black issues. Right, and and I don't and I don't even know that it was that. I right. think that he was trying to figure out how to ensure that the black issue was covered in the whatever the general right. cloak was. Right. And so I appreciate the thought, but I think that we did need more intentionality. One thing in particular that frustrated me was his last Supreme Court nomination. Um, I cried about that because I thought that we needed the validation that a black woman could do that job. Mm-hmm. I thought that, um, you know, they always make us, like, oh, well, we didn't have anyone who was already on the federal bench and that, you know, normally is at that level. Then make another path. Right. We needed that type of validation. Um, and I was frustrated by that because the first two, it was a white woman and a Latina woman. I love Sonia Sotomayor, Yes, I though. love her. But we had an opportunity to just, it was going to be a messaging pick. And I think it would have made it even more difficult for the Senate to just not consider it right. because it would have been a black woman. Folks would have came out everywhere and it would have been an issue to galvanize us behind for the election. Mm-hmm. We needed that because our folks weren't feeling Hillary like that, mm-hmm. you know? So yes. I was just like, this is, this was such a missed opportunity. I was hurt by that. Yeah. Hurt. Yeah. yeah. Am I crazy to now be missing George Bush? Am, you know what? Am I crazy? So a little I'm looking bit. at the pictures with yeah, George and, 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 and Michelle. And you I'm talking like, about, or did you see the one where he was wrestling with that plastic yeah, poncho? Yeah, yeah. So I miss I, George, yo. I miss him for that, but I don't really need him to be making decisions. Right, of course. Um, however, uh, if what we have seen over the last few days are a sign of things to come out, I would take back W. I would. I would. This yes, dude is a mess. Yeah. yeah. He didn't even, I mean, Condoleezza, please pay, talk to Donald Trump. Mm. <laughs> Somebody. <laughs> call him, pal. Call yeah, him. Yeah. Tweet him something. Like, Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Regarding our, our 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 mental health, like how do we mm. unplug them? Because it's this is thing. This is something that's this so real. It's so consuming. Yes, it's so consuming. And 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 all weekend I've been like just tapped in. Mm-hmm. And and you do this twenty four seven. How do you unplug? Like just for your own mental health. You know what? I'll take tips like from y'all from Twitter after this. Like I need to know because I feel you you were asking me like if I'm always this intense, and the answer is yes. Right. 
but I also don't that think that's good. It can't. Well, it can't be good. Yes and no. I think it's fine when it's just passion. I think it's different when I'm like feeling like constantly like, are you guys really serious? Or I don't know if you all are having this feeling like I keep waking up in the morning and I'm like, did this really happen? Yes. Like every it morning. keeps happening. Every morning. And so I'm just like, when am I going to get out of that? That can't be good. Like I feel like my heart being fast. Like, is he the president? Like, is you know what I mean? Like it happened, especially the week after the election and it happened again, inauguration day and the next few days after. Yeah. That's a lot. That's a lot. Yes. That's a lot of trauma. Yeah. So I, I'm actually taking best practices. I have downloaded Talkspace on my phone, the little counseling app. I They need to pay y'all because I just gave them a shout out. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I, I feel like mental health is important. And I think traditionally and too often in our communities, we like look at it like it's a bad thing yes. to acknowledge. Like, no, I don't feel whole right now. Um, millennials aren't really like that, though. They might have that app. I'm not going to say it again right. unless they pay y'all right. um, on their phones. You yeah, know? I mean, and, and it's, it's, it's not just this. It's just the consistent trauma that yeah. we're, we're under. I mean, I think the entire American nation needs therapy. Mm-hmm. Like everyone, white, yeah. black, Latino. I think we all need therapy because yeah. this is it's a, it's a weird place to live in. Yeah, no, that, you know? that makes sense. How do you maintain your composure when you're arguing on air? Like, don't you ever want to give somebody them hands? You don't think I? You think I maintain my composure? I think you do, but like you know, sometimes you're real close. To yeah, I don't. Give I, those I, hands. I never. I never want to. Um, I never want to hit anybody. Right. Um, I had one incident on air with whom? I'm not gonna say. You're not gonna say. No, because go on, she gotta, didn't even deserve. I gotta go on YouTube. To be named. Yeah. Okay. You could do that. Um, because I've seen you. I've but se- she put her hands in my face, uh, and it's just like you know, for black women, that's right. just like violation, right. like automatic smackdown. Um, but we, li- I, my point, bef- and this is how you know God is real. My point before was just black people are not inherently violent and criminal. No. And then she had put her hands in my face. If I would have hit her, yeah. that would have undermined my exactly, point. Exactly. Exactly. So I was like, look at how God moves. You know, like I just made this point. So I can't be like stereotypical black girl. And I just, I don't fight. Like I can talk a good game, but I might have got beat up. <laughs> That's the other thing. Like I can't fight. I don't, right, you know. Right. You know, with regard to recent events uh, surrounding you, do you think TSA is not as effective as it could be? So the interesting thing about this whole TSA piece is I worked on the Committee on Homeland Security before I worked for the Black Caucus. Which is crazy. That committee oversees that department. Right. So I know the technology. I know, you know, the issues. I know the standards. They wouldn't let me go back through this machine, and they demanded this pat-down situation, almost escorted by the police. Long story short, the technology is broken. They have not found a good way to balance our privacy and civil, liber- civil liberties with our security. That does not have to be the answer because they stay patting people down. But when they had the covert testing, they missed 95% of what wow. they were supposed to catch, both through the technology and with the physical pat downs. So it's broken. You know, my case, it, it shows that. And then all of these people, I've received hundreds of emails and tweets of people's own situations, complaints where they filed them officially online and never got a response. Never. So I was supposed to be sitting down with the administrator this past Tuesday. Um, that meeting was postponed. I don't know if it'll happen now with under this new regime. Right. We should call it administration. But Do you have any real suggestions for um, us as people of color in terms of how do we claim this massive economic power that we have in our hands? Yeah, I think part of it is acknowledging that's what we have. Um, I did this talk for Centric. Um, And I talked about how there are 46 million black people in this country. And if 45 million of us gave $20 one time, we would have more. That's one time. One time. That's one Tubman when she's on it. We would have (laughs) more money than the entire New York economy. 
That's huge. Imagine what we could do just with that if people gave $20 one time. You know what I mean? Like, we have to understand what the potential is, and it's so hard for us to do that because we don't, we've never seen it done. But we are a faith-filled people. We got to do it. We just got to do it. It'll be like, who's it. holding the money, though? Where yeah, are they going to put it? Yeah, what are they doing with that? It's right. like, no, we have to believe in us, believe that we're capable, we like believe that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we do, yeah. and put that faith in action. Yeah. Why does it seem that when it comes to this ongoing battle with Democrats and Republicans, the Republicans fight so much harder. I, I mean, I want to mm-hmm. read you a quote that I read this morning. Mm-hmm. It's like the Democrats and Republicans were playing a board game. Then the Republicans were like, fuck it, and lit the house on fire. But the Democrats are still in the burning house trying to figure out how to win the board game. Yeah, I think... Um... Like, 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 like what Michelle said, they go low... We go high, but does that hurt us in the long run? I think that there is important. There's an important um, basketball analogy to draw here, right? And it's like playing your position, right? If there are five people on the floor, they all have different roles, and we definitely can't all be playing the same roles. I do also have to tell you that in this moment, I'm not feeling real democratic. I'm feeling real black, mm-hmm. um, and I'm just like I'm not putting any energy behind mm-hmm. helping them figure out what they want. I'm mm-hmm. figuring out what we need, we need right to now. Do, right. Like, That's a great answer. With or re- with or without regard to party right. affiliation, right. like I just don't care because y'all don't do it right all the time right. either. We'll show you how it's done, and you take our suggestions. Right. Now I know that once we get on the other side of this agenda building and like our strategy stuff, we are going to lean progressive. We're going to lean democratic. But right now, I'm like I'm not checking for y'all because y'all were not checking, not for, for, us. checking for us. At all. You've been doing this two weeks out before the election for too long. Congressional Black Caucus members have tell- been telling you this for two long and you've slept on it and you've actually hurt some of them right. there's a member from um vegas stephen horsford who was elected for one term brilliant guy with former senate majority leader in nevada they would not put money into his district when he told them he was in trouble lost his race they lost a seat because they wouldn't listen and black people and why would they not listen because they just think they know they just think they know, and we've been telling them for too long. White people we know everything. Know this. They know everything. And progressive liberals, the danger is it's uh. not that overt racism that Donald Trump will give you. It's that covert, don't worry, little black person, I got this for you better than you could ever right. do it. The devil is a lie. That is not true. That is not true. You need more black friends. Right. Seriously. Yeah. Did you ever practice law? No. So I went straight from law school to the hill, like to working in politics. Right. I use it every day to inform what I do. Yeah. Did you love law school? I did not love law school. I hated law school. I love some classes. I hated law school. I love some class. I love some of my teachers. I had a con law professor named David Scover right. who was like so dramatic and like it was the most amazing way to learn constitutional law. And John Mitchell who taught me evidence and I was like, this is like the best thing ever. But there were some other experiences where I was like, man, I just don't feel like you get me, <laughs> you know. And I was still like this, you know, kid named after Angela Davis uh, based on what my daddy says. And I'm just like, you know, always militant. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know you got to go. So last two questions. Yeah. Um, what are you listening to? Right now? Yeah, what are you listening Not to? Not Travis Green. I let Travis Green ride all last year, and I'm so sad because he decided he needed to perform at the inauguration. I was like, if that's what your Jesus is telling you, child, that we got two different Jesuses. Right. I gotta, so I had to stop listening to Travis Green. I am still loving my Kendrick album. Mm. I've had Solange on mm. repeat. Mm. Like, amazing thank God album. for that album. She dropped album. the hardest it's album last so year. Right. Amazing. Right. So amazing. So I like the new J. Cole. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I'm trying to think of what else. I like the new tribe. I mm. thought tribe was tribe good. Tribe is amazing. Yeah, I like the new amazing, tribe. Amazing. Yeah, right? yeah. It was refreshing to hear them. Yes. So. And so on point, like the week of the election, mm-hmm. on point. Yes. In lockstep with current events. Yes. So was the Solange album. Yes. Though. I, was I like, mean, well, perfect. for us, by us is like, yes. I'm like I no had rapper that on dropped a, a, a song harder than her last no. year. No. Yeah. No. And then on the more um, ratchet side, DJ Khaled. Mm. Khaled. Yeah, I like that whole. You fuck with the Migos? Yeah. Bad and bougie, you fuck yeah, with I that? love it. And my, what, Eugene, <laughs> Eugene, <laughs> Eugene on my team was like, you can't do that. You know, I was like, I know they cooking up dope with a Uzi. I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that part, but right. I do like Bad and yeah. Bougie. I do. Last I do. question that we yeah. ask all our guests, who are your top five MCs? Oh, my gosh. Um, so definitely Pac. I'm a West Coast mm. girl. It definitely Pac. Um, I would say Black Thought. <sighs> We got a lot of Black Thought in here. I love Black Thought. Um, I would say Nas, at least that one album, Nomadic. Um, the, w- the women stay loving Nas. I do. I love Nas. You see his hat, I right? I do love Nas. Oh, yeah. Okay. All right. All right. <laughs> Somebody else loves Nas. Yeah. Nas is just the ladies loving Nas. Um, how many I have? Three. Dang. So I kind of want to say Lauren, even though I don't mm. know what she would have done after this miseducation right. situation. And why is she speeding up the songs on everything? Yeah. Anyway, that's frustrating. And she's been late to all her concerts. You know what? I think people forget how impactful Lauren is. And mm-hmm. when you talk about when Lauren was at the top of her game, mm-hmm. she wasn't one of the best female MCs. She mm-hmm. was one of the best mm-hmm. MCs period. of all mm-hmm. time. Yeah. Period. Okay, I have to take Nas off because I want to do two newer ones. Okay, I I love him. I need six. That's okay. I mean, okay, I love I love watching the process. So here's the, <laughs> here's the thing. I love Kendrick, and I think people still don't see all of his potential yet. Right, he is amazing. Yes, and my last one I'm gonna add is J Cole. Mm. Um, and I really hope they do like the collab piece. I think that right. would be so brilliant. Right. I love them. His ability to storytell through rap, like False Prophets, is dope. Amazing. I had that on repeat. Amazing, too. so oh personal. My God. Like, ooh, yeah. Like the scrunch face, like ooh. But he does that with so many rap. I mean, he's like telling you his life story, telling you his train of thought, and the way that he conveys it is right. just dope. Yeah. So yeah. Okay. Last words, like encourage us, encourage my listeners, encourage the American encourage people, me. Like, like encourage, yeah, encourage Jesus King. Christ. What do we need to do? We got to get in the game. We got to put our money up. We got to believe that mean? in us. What does that mean? It means that we have to find strategic uh, things to invest in, to support. We need to buy black. We need to be giving black. We need to be supporting black. We need to be paying black. We need to find black-owned businesses. We need to bank black. We need to be... All su- black everything. All black everything. Mm. And it's that time. That's that word. I might steal that. All black everything. <laughs> right? We need yes. to stay all black everything. Yeah. And that doesn't mean that we're not going to be supportive right. of others, but we're going to make sure that we're good first. And like we got to stop it's caring about hurting your feelings. Well, it's that time where, to your point, you said, encourage me. Right. Yeah. This whole little thing for the next quarter is, you good? And then if you're not, we're going to make sure you right. are. Mm. Yeah. Well, Angela, thank you so thank much you. For, for coming through. Yes. You know, this thank has been great. Please feel free. Like, you can always come back on the Combat Jack show. If Yay. you want to co-host with us, you always have that awesome. invitation. Thank I'll you. take it. Thank you, thank King. Thank you, guys. What's up, man? I'm a little inspired. A, a little? Inspired? I mean, I'm a lot, but it's, I'm overwhelmed, man. Yeah. Right. You know, we talk about it all the time. Yeah. Every time you flick on the news, it's like. Sometimes know. don't flick on the news, man. But you got to, because you got to yeah. stay woke. You got to stay. I hate that. No, you but you know. should stay woke. Nah, just you got to be on point. Like yeah. he, this dude is messing around with the natives again. You know what I mean? Like, like the natives haven't been fucked enough. Right. Yeah, he needs to leave Indian country alone. Yeah. Like we gonna come at him if he keeps yeah. bothering. Yeah, that's not cool.
Well, anyway, once again, Angela, thank you. King, thank you. Thank you. Internet, you know what it is. Dream those dreams and then man up, woman up, and live those dreams. Because a life without dreams is black and white and the universe flows in technicolor and surround sound. Blah. This episode of the Combat Jack Show was produced by Jonathan Mena, executive produced by A. King and Chris Morrow, engineered by Samir Karan and recorded in the Engine Room Audio Studio in downtown Manhattan. This is an official Loudspeakers Network's production.